This is Pathway to Recovery, an SA Lifeline Foundation podcast featuring host Tara McCausland, who is the SA Lifeline Executive Director, and Justin B., a sex addict living in long-term recovery. We have conversations with experts and individuals who understand the pathway to healing from sexual addiction and betrayal trauma because we believe that recovering individuals leads to the healing of families. Welcome to the Pathway to Recovery podcast. I'm Tara McCausland and happy to have here with me first my co-host, Justin B. Welcome, Justin. Thank you, Tara. Happy to be here. And a very special guest, Heather B., who happens to be Justin's wife. So glad you're here with us. Thanks for being here, Heather. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. As we were getting going, I said to Heather that it it's a treat to actually hear the other side of this. We get to hear a lot from Justin, but there's always another side of the story <laughs> when there is a, a marriage involved. So today for our Q&A, we are going to discuss the question Discovery Day. How does one cope after discovery? And and we often like to call this D Day mm-hmm. <laughs> in the twelve yeah. step world. But right out the gate, Heather, what are your initial thoughts about Discovery Day for you? And what was the next twenty four hours like? How did you react? So, I guess a little background. We'd been married about ten years. I was pregnant with my last child, and Justin came to me and told me about his addiction. And he'd been meeting with an ecclesiastical leader. And so I knew something was wrong. Something was off, but I didn't know what it was anyway. And so when he told me it was actually 17 years ago on July 3rd, I still remember the day (laughs) I had lots of anger and it went straight to the enemy as I refer to him in my religious beliefs and my spirituality and that the enemy was trying to destroy my family. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home and very broken home and felt like that he was trying to destroy what I had just created with my own family because I really worked hard to try to create a different family for my family. And so I was really angry at him and angry at my husband, but for whatever reason, more of the anger just like reared towards the enemy. I, I can't explain it. That's just how it happened. And so the next 24 hours, a lot of crying. Again, I was pregnant. So that probably flowed really easy. <laughs> Lots of prayer. I found myself in my closet a lot praying. I'm just kind of putting my kids, like get them settled. I had three other kids and a baby. And so I would just get them settled. And then I just go back to my closet and cry and just talk to God and just beg to know what to do next. Cause I really just didn't know what to do. I was at a loss and it was a surprise, but also made sense. Like all these things that had happened in our marriage and things that just suddenly made sense too. So it, it was a weird mix of emotion mm-hmm. in those first 24 hours. I will say God answered those prayers in the first 24. I bizarrely enough had a friend just show up randomly at my house who had moved out of our city limits a little bit. So she was far away. So she just randomly showed up and she came to my house and she could tell something was wrong. I was really trying to hold it in. And she finally just asked me, what is going on? What, you know, and I really did feel like God's a teller. And so I did. And it was so interesting because immediately she goes, oh, my brother 
he struggles with the same thing. And she was like, she just gave me a hug, started like holding me and just anyway, it, it was so what I needed. I felt like that relieved a little bit just to have one other person know and just love me for that moment. So yeah, that was my first 24. Well, what I'm impressed by is, you know, that anger could easily just all be directed toward Justin or toward even God, right? But what I see as being remarkable in that is that rather than in that moment, turning away from the God of your understanding, you turn toward him even more. Yeah. And what do you feel like gave you the bandwidth to do that rather than turning away? For me, I think I'd had some other experiences in life. You know, again, I came from a broken home. I had been in some abusive relationships as a teenager. And I had found many times a connection with God and just going to God during those times when I felt there was no other place to go. And so I think for me in that moment, I felt like there was no other place to go. I, I couldn't go to my parents. I knew if I went to my parents, it was going to be, you need to leave him. You need to pack up. I couldn't go to friends because suddenly I was going to have judgment. He was going to have judgment. I couldn't go to my in-laws. They had no idea. You know, I just suddenly found myself completely and utterly alone. The only place I could go to was someone that had a greater power outside of me. And that was God. Now that's not to say later, there were some times when I was like, oh, I totally deserve this because I was a horrible teenager and I had made horrible choices as a teen. You know, like there was something that, of course I married an addict because I'm worthless and this is what I do. I, my picker's broken. You know, like I had those moments. I did have moments where I was angry at God. Like, why didn't you tell me this? Why didn't I know this? I've been married for 10 years. How could I not know this? You know, so I, I mean, not to say those those things didn't come and, the, you know, it's that roller coaster of emotion. And, right. but I can say within the first 24, that is just immediately what the anger that came out was. I know everyone's is different, but for me, that was my experience. And I just knew a higher power than me could fix this, not anybody else. There was nobody that could fix this because I'd been married for 10 years and had no idea. And obviously no one else knew. So God's the only one to go to at this point, (laughs) I felt like. That makes sense. And everybody's reaction is going to be so unique, right? Yeah. But do you think you would have been brave enough to tell someone had your friend not shown up that day, like in a brief period of time, would you have been brave enough to tell somebody? I don't think so. No, I think God put her there in that, just in that moment to let me know I was not alone, that there were other people who had experience. Cause in the moment I felt completely and utterly alone. Like. Nobody else is married to a sex addict at this moment. Like it just felt like I was the only one. And I was the only one finding out that my I'd buried someone and I didn't realize I knew them. You know, all these things were going through my head. But to have someone tell me, oh, my brother struggles with this. And I love my brother. And I'm not judging your husband. And I'm not, it's not gonna change my opinion of your husband. I mean, she even said that to me because that was my biggest fear was I just didn't want to. I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. You feel this judgment immediately. Like I can't tell anyone because if I tell someone that I'm married to someone who does this, then I'm a horrible person too. Like it's this weird thing that you take on and the worry suddenly, like I remember thinking, oh my gosh, no one's ever gonna let me babysit their kids. If anyone ever finds out these things, but she was able to say to me, 
I love you and I love your husband and I just know you can it's you can get help. It was like God telling me, okay, it's gonna be okay. Like there's a road ahead. <laughs> hmm. And there's stuff out there. And, and he did. He just guided me. Those prayers were immediately answered. I feel like it, it, it was a slow road, but I felt like that immediate, like, it's going to be okay. Now, when she left, you know, I fell apart again, you know, but it's that roller coaster and it's totally normal. Justin, you're, you're hanging out here with us quietly, but do you have any thoughts you want to share about your experience watching your wife go through that? What was going through your head at that point? You know, I I remember feeling a lot of fear, shame, wanting to fix it. Uh, I want to fix this. I, I'm a fixer. I want to fix this so that she feels better and she feels better today. I want it to be done today. And I'm going to change everything right now and and make it all better. And I honestly did try. I honestly did try to make everything better, to be better, to to change totally. And over several more years before I ever set foot in in a room of recovery, I kept trying harder and different and harder and things just to to change things up. Now, Heather, and I'll let her tell this, but I want to say this. I am so grateful that she sought help and she had the courage to connect. And maybe it was because she felt all alone and she heard that there were others and could meet with them. And I'll let her tell that. But that has been a huge difference in my own recovery, even though I didn't take action on it for many years after that. But it's such an example to me. But, you know, that's that's kind of my memory of it is I wanted to get in and fix it and make it all right and prove that even though I've done all these horrible things and I've not been honest and I, I, I'm going to fix it. Well, and one thing I do remember is he was shocked that I was so angry. And that to me was like shocking. Like I was like, wait, what? Because really, truly the enemy is so good at saying this addiction only is hurting you or isn't hurting you. It's not hurting anyone else. No one knows about it. It's like such a secret and such a hidden thing. And I feel like sometimes, you know, drugs and alcohol addictions, you know, when people have those addictions, it's a visual thing. So it's like, you can point to something and say, see what this is doing to you. You're dying. You're sick. And with this addiction, it was, it's, and probably with gambling, other addictions, it's really hard to point to and say, you're sick, you know, (laughs) like there's something going on. And so when I was so angry and I told him I was angry, I said, I'm angry at you. And I'm angry at the enemy right now. And he was so shocked. Like, why are you angry? And so I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, there's such a disconnect right now between us of this whole experience. But that was the beginning of my learning of what addiction truly is and what it looks like and how the enemy is so good at helping addicts believe the lies (laughs) they tell themselves. So Yeah. yeah, Heather, thank you for reminding me of that. The disconnect in in the addict brain is very real. Hey, th- I'm only hurting myself, or I'm protecting somebody else by not divulging this. And that uh, blank spot, that mental blank spot, still exists. Just in the last couple of weeks, she and I had a, a thing where she said, "Hey, how do you make that connection happen? How how does that even work in your head?" And it's like, it's not there. I don't even think about that. It it doesn't cross my mind. And so I continue years later still to sometimes step on her toes, to sometimes hurt her without that thought of, of even, is this going to hurt my wife? 
And and I don't say this to justify it. It just doesn't connect. So it's okay. No, there's there's something broke in my head. There's something broken there. And only a, a power greater than myself can resolve that. So maybe my final question is for other spouses of individuals who are addicts, what would you recommend if if you were just talking to a woman who's just had her D-Day? What would you tell her? What suggestions would you make to her as she's starting this rocky, <laughs> this rocky path? Probably the first thing I would say is you're not alone. Just know that. I know it's very lonely, but you're not. I always encourage to go to a meeting, whether it's, you know, SAL is where I go currently now. And that's where I would encourage them to go. But I, any anon, Al-Anon, whatever, some kind of meeting and prayer, having honest prayer with, with their higher power, whoever that may be for them or whatever that may look like for them. But Honest prayer is something that I have really come to connect with. I used to feel like I had to say things in a certain way or God wasn't going to hear me or answer me if I didn't like give it in a certain formula or only giving gratitude and not complaining too much or, or asking for too much stuff. And if anything in recovery, I've learned that I could go to God and say, I am so angry right now that I am married to an addict. I'm so angry that this is happening. I'm so sad. I'm mourning this. I don't know what to do with these emotions. Like totally have that conversation with God because he already knew that. I bizarrely somehow thought, oh, I can hide all this from him, but he can take it and he will listen and answer and comfort and guide and really, truly just taking it one day at a time. Cause it can be like a fire hose. Suddenly you get all this information, books, stuff to read. And, and really, truly, that's what I'm always like prayer and going to meetings, just keep praying and just keep going to meetings. Just, just go, just go, just go, just go until you start feeling comfortable. And then, you know, then little baby steps, get a you know sponsor maybe, or start reading the materials more or whatever, you know, just little baby steps. Cause that was, that was me. I just started going to meetings. Like <laughs> just kept going and reading the material and praying. And that was my beginning. And so really just being patient with yourself and giving it time. Well, this has been so fun to speak with the two of you together. Thank you so much to our listeners for being here. We're going to wrap up this Q&A. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss new episodes. And while you're at it, will you please leave us a five-star rating and review to help us spread the good news that healing from sexual addiction and betrayal trauma is possible. We invite individuals who are struggling to join our virtual or in-person trauma-sensitive 12-step meetings. Meeting times and locations can be found at sal12step.org. You can find quality education at salifeline.org. And we hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook. SA Lifeline is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and we welcome donations. SA Lifeline, come heal with us.